Amen. It is good uh, to be with you uh, this morning. Uh, if you have not been with us in a while, this past week we, uh, we finished up a sermon series over the book of Acts, and we were really looking at what does it look like uh, as far as the church? How does the church function? What should we be doing? What's our role as, as individuals as we all know that we make up the church? And, and this week we're going we're gonna to kind of take, take it a step further, and we're going to be uh, looking these next three weeks about what does it look like What would it look like if you and I sought first the kingdom of God in our lives? What if that was our primary role in all that we do in our relationships at home, in our job, in the church? If you and I took seriously the commandment to seek first the kingdom of God, what would it do? What would your life be like? Would it change? Would it be the same? Would you be encouraged this week as I was studying, I tell you, um, I'm totally kidding here. I love when you spend a lot of time on something and kind of God redirects you last minute. Anybody been there before? That's exactly what took place this morning. So I'm praying that the Spirit of God would lead this sermon because Saturday, yesterday, I was looking at it and God just spoke to me so clearly, John chapter 15, John chapter 15. And that was not at all what I had planned whatsoever. So my prayer is is that whatever God has for us this morning, that you and I would have ears to hear, and that our hearts would be obedient to wherever He leads us. And before we get started, I just want to just pray over our time this morning. If you just bow your heads. Father, we come before you. God, have your way. Have your way with us this morning. Lord, humble me. Father God, I pray that my words would be of you. They would be one that would lift up the body. They would encourage us. They would challenge us, Father. And Lord, that it would make us more like you. Our sole purpose of being here, God, is that our lives would be transformed so that we would reflect you in all that we do. God, I know that struggles come along with that. I know that the enemy attacks. I know there's struggles. I know there's trials. I know there's tribulations. And many of us this morning are walking those deep waters, Father. But Lord, Your Word promises us that even in the midst of difficult situations that You will never, ever leave us or forsake us. That's where our hope is this morning, Father. So Lord, we welcome You in this place, God, and we pray, Lord, that You will guide and direct this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to start out with a question. Why do we do what we do? Why do you do what you do? And collaboratively speaking, why do we do what we do as a church? i got a list of things here that we do as a church. I'm sure it's, I could probably keep going with this and you could probably add to. Why do we do Be the Church Sundays? Why? Why do we have a food pantry? Why do we help with the needs of people who have needs, pay electricity bills, put people in hotels? Why do we do that? Why do we do foster care bags? Why do we do birthday cakes for foster children? Why do we do block parties in neighborhoods? Why do we do movies in the park? Why do we do vacation Bible school? Why do we give away school supplies to kids? Why do we do Moonlight Madness? Why do we do service projects? Why do we do mission trips? Not only here in the state, but all over. Why do we do what we do? And my question is, 
Is it that we are seeking first the kingdom of God? We've already talked about this is going to be a summer that we are going to put fellowship and prayer number one on our list because we believe that God is is wanting to direct us in a way. And I want us to be so in tune to His voice and His leading that we would say, God, wherever you want us to go. Lord, if you want us to stop doing this, we're going to do that. If you want us to start doing this, we want to be a part of that because we first and foremost, we want to seek first the kingdom of God. And I can promise you this. If you and I, if this church seeks first the kingdom of God, God will move in a powerful way. But then we get asked the question, when God is not moving in a powerful way, what is going on? I know that we could throw a thousand things at that. Life, things, difficulties, struggles, relationships, and all of these things that seem to take away from us seeking first the kingdom of God in every aspect of our lives. Any dreamers here this morning? I mean, you like to dream. Not that it ever happens, but you just love to dream. All right, Like you can think of this situation, or, or maybe it's a vacation that you've dreamt of for the last 20 years, and you're like, you know, I'll probably never do it, but I, mean, I would love to be a part of that. I'm a dreamer, all right? But sometimes I have a hard time putting feet to it. Anybody else? Cast vision. I want you to dream with me just for a second. Hypothetically speaking, all right? Suppose on the first day of January there was one Christ follower in this room. Just one. I'm sure you've heard this analogy before. We're going to use it here in just a second. And suppose that Christ follower shares the gospel with one, one other person, only one. That person accepts, confesses, and believes. And then on the following day, two Christ followers share the gospel with two other people. You know where this is going. Now, if each person accepted, confessed, and believed in Christ... There would be four Christ followers on January the 3rd. You math people have already got your calculators out. I just know this, all right? Suppose then on the fourth day, each of those four Christ followers share their faith and so on. There would be 16,384 Christ followers on January 15th. If that continued, the entire population of the world would be reached by the third day of February. I know you're thinking, you know what, that's that's far-fetched. And you know what, I'm going to say I agree with you. I understand that this is an impossible scenario, but I want to share with you this morning is that one life matters. Your life matters, and maybe it's just that one other person that God has put in your path that you have an opportunity to reflect Christ in their lives. We all have at least one, I can promise you that, all right? One committed life can change a neighborhood, even an entire community. One church can change a state. Many churches working collectively together can change a nation and better yet a world. And I believe that. They say that 80% of Christ followers believe it is their responsibility to share their faith. 80%. Of that 80%, 30% of those people will share their faith at least one time in their entire life. This is the greatest story ever told. The one that we 
put our lives at stake for. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have some missionaries here from the Middle East. I'm super excited. We're going to be talking about the persecuted church, those who are surrendering their lives for God in their lives. And this, this is the thing that we, we stake our claim on. And I've got to be honest, this is not something that I'm a, I'm a great evangelist, and I do struggle with myself for many reasons. But this is the one thing that we bet our lives on, and we are not talking about it. We're not. Let me ask that question again. Why do you do what you do? Why do we do what we do as a church? If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, uh, we're going to be starting in verse 1 this morning. We're going to be reading a couple of verses, and we're going to come back and just unpack it just for a moment here um, before we take the Lord's Supper uh, together. John chapter 15, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one close to you uh, in the front seat pocket there. If you don't have a Bible at all, take it, make it yours, put your name in it. Uh, John chapter 15, uh, verse 1, here we go. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit that prunes, uh, I'm sorry, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. uh, My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You, listen to this verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. You see, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, 11 disciples here, the next day, he went to the cross. And it seems like every time Jesus talks about having fruit in our lives, about being obedient to his word, he also talks about the first decision that you and I must make is dying to ourselves. Now that's pretty difficult. Anybody anybody with me? Because there's a lot of things that I love to do. There's a lot of things that I want to do. 
And I love that God has created us differently and He wants to use each and every one of us to play a part of making His kingdom of God great and He gives us all different gifts and that sort of thing. But there's lots of things that I want to do even apart from God. Anybody else sometimes struggle with that? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So it's this understanding of you and I dying to our old self. And Scripture talks time and time again that when we come into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, that He makes us new. The old is gone, the new has come. He literally gives us a new heart, and we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So this is what that means is, if you are a child of God, the things that we used to do ought to bug us. The words that used to come out of my mouth, now when they do, they bug me. Anybody else? When you watch things on TV and you know they're not golly, it should bug us. And I'm thankful for that because that means the Spirit of God is working in your life and my life to make us more like Jesus for the sole purpose of building God's kingdom. Why do we do what we do. Verse 16, I want you to look at that. This is very interesting. Sometimes you read scriptures and sometimes I'm like, you know, why, did, why is it written that way? Anybody else kind of like, you know, I don't really understand it. Verse 16 is very interesting. It says, you, this is Jesus talking, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Anybody ever wondered like, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure like it's my choice to follow after Jesus. I'm pretty sure it's me that surrendered my life before Him. It's my choice to, to come to church. It's my choice to, to follow after Him, to get in His Word, to pray, or whatever the situation is. And as I started really diving into this, I found it very interesting that He used that word, and I chose you. But all through Scripture, it talks about the Spirit of God working in and through our lives, and that we are blinded to the good faith, the truth of the gospel message, unless the Spirit of God is actively working in our lives. You see, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he wasn't twisting their arm to follow. But they had experienced his love and his joy and his truth and all of those things that they willingly followed him because of the truth that they knew because they they had a new life. They had a new heart. The old had gone and the new had come. And so they committed themselves to building God's kingdom and they gave their lives to it. What about you? What about me? Why do we do what we do. You see, I think, this is just me, I think Jesus chose those words so that he could have a commitment in our lives. You see, slip it the other way, all right? You chose me, so when we come into a rough situation, hey, don't come whining to me. I kind of like our conversation we have with our kids sometimes. Like, you're the one who chose me. It's not my fault you're going through these difficulties. Hey, you're the one who chose this. But I believe Jesus said, I chose you because He put everything at stake in our lives. And it's like saying to your kid or to your spouse or to your friend, and saying, I will love you no matter what because I am the one who chose you. 
Yes, I know you willingly follow, but I chose you. And I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So no matter what you're going through, just remember, I'm the one who chose you. And it's because of my working in your life that is where you are now. It's through my son Jesus that you have salvation. I chose you. It's not the conversation sometimes we do have with other people. Quit your whining and complaining, all right? Anybody have kids? Okay, yes, exactly, all right? It's just tough luck. It's life. But I love that Jesus chose those words because He says to you, I am so committed to you. It doesn't matter if the people around you have let you down. I am in it for the long haul. And I want you to know I love you so much that I sent Jesus to the cross as a benefactor to bridge the gap so that you can know the Father. I chose you. You see, there's been times in my life where I have desperately prayed. And maybe, maybe you've been there before. Lord, you chose me, and I feel so inadequate. Lord, I believe your word, and you chose me, and I don't want to do this right now. I don't want to get up and preach right now. Because maybe I, maybe I just had an argument with my wife a couple of hours ago. This is real life, people, all right? Or maybe I said some things this week to my kids or a relationship or whatever it might be. Like, Lord, you chose me for this. And God, I pray that I walk out and be in obedience because I really don't want to. You see, that's life. That's where you and I live every single day. And it's a choice that we have to say, God, you chose me and I'm believing in the midst of this that you're going to be obedient in my life because I want to be obedient because I want first and foremost above anything else for your kingdom to be glorified and magnified. There's two things we see here in John chapter 15. Fruit. What is fruit? Some might be like, I could use a banana right now and I'm kind of hungry. An apple, that would be good too. Really anything. I'm kind of just starving. There are some donuts back there by the way, all right? You see, we use the term, the fruits of our labor. We understand that. You know, you put the work in, you invest in that, and you, you reap the fruit of our labor, of our harvest. But what exactly is Jesus talking about here? Our, our fruits, because Scripture talks about fruit all the time. Have you noticed? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. But what is, what is He talking about here? The first thing that I want us to see here is He's talking about loving people. And he's also talking about that that love would lead to a relationship and that relationship would lead to the sharing of the good news in someone's life. And I believe as a church that those should be the three things, all right? A relationship with God is a given, all right? I understand that, okay? That's a given if you're in Christ Jesus. We can't neglect that. But we should be about three things as a church. And I believe whatever we're doing, we need, to, we need to look at those things and say, does any of these three come about what we're doing? Because why do we do what we do? I don't know about you, but I don't have a lot of extra time. Anybody else? It needs to be about loving people, building relationships with people, and sharing the gospel message. 
Everything that we do should come to those three things of one form or fashion. There's going to be times where God opens the door and we're going to have an opportunity to share the gospel. There's going to be times where we build relationships at a block party or, or movies in the park so that God would move through that relationship. There's going to be times that we get to love on someone who's in a desperate need and we get to meet that physical need there. But we should be about loving people, building relationships, and sharing the greatest story ever told. I love in verse 9 of John chapter 15, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. There's times in my life where I get worn down, I get exhausted, and I feel like I'm just doing it because I'm supposed to do it. Maybe I'm the only one who ever feels that way. But God's Word answers that question of why we start getting to the point where we start doing the checkbox rather than having joy in what God calls us to do because you and I have stopped remaining in Christ. We have neglected as we talked about in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we have stopped committing ourselves. We stopped devoting ourselves to each other and to prayer and God's Word. And we get drained. Life comes and steals the joy, steals all of those things. And then you find yourself, I find myself, doing it out of duty. And I tell you this, that's the one thing that turns Christ, un, people who don't know Christ away. Because I start loving them out of duty. Let's be honest, I'm not really loving them right now. It's just words. In my mind, I'm like, I wish you would just go. I don't have time for this. Maybe that happened to you this week. Loving people and winning people to Christ. In verse 10, he says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Verse 12 goes on to say, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And verse 17 says, These things I command you that you love one another. Are you starting to see a theme here? The love of Christ. Picture this. Anybody have a green thumb in here at all? I know there's a few of you because I know you. I'm not going to point one guy out that I'm looking at right now with a blue shirt on, all right? But some of us are just good with like. Growing stuff. I will kill anything. I mean, you can make it good and I will kill it. All right, anybody else? Like, it doesn't matter. I just, I just can't. I've got a black, whatever you want to call it. I just, I can't grow anything. But you think of this, this growth and you think of a vine that, that God's word uses here as an illustration for us to be like, oh yeah, okay. This vine, this, this vine is growing up and it's a healthy vine. And it says that, that Jesus is that vine and it starts growing these branches. And those branches it talks about that, that's you and I, that's our lives. We are, listen to this, we are the fruit of Jesus' labor. Did you know that? And so as that vine is growing and those branches start to go, Jesus says, you must stay connected. Or it says, you will be like someone who gets cut off 
and you'll be like Brennan's plant. You will just die. You will wither. You will be drained. There will be no joy in your salvation. He says, you must remain in me. And when you remain in me, all of my attributes flowing through you through the work of the Holy Spirit will be an outflow of your heart into the lives of those people around you. So the love that you have for me will be a love that you have for other people. And that love will lead you into a conversation about sharing about Jesus. Now I know that the enemy loves to come and put fear in our lives and all of these things that we don't get to that point of sharing about Jesus. And I understand that. But there's times in my life or sometimes I just do because I know that God is calling me and I say, God, if you don't show up, this is going to be horrible. This is going to be a train wreck here. But my prayer is that you and I would stay connected to who Jesus is and the outflow of love in our lives would affect those around us starting with one. Going and producing fruit that will last is not going to be an easy road traveled. I'm not one to stand before you and say, when you, when you allow Jesus to work in your life, you'll never have any problems anymore. That's probably the complete opposite. Because when Jesus is working in and through our lives, the enemy cannot stand it. We are arousing the enemy. That's why it's so important that we stay connected and stay devoted. That we come together and get strengthened and as we send each other back out. I'll read you a quick story. A group of 40-year-old friends discussed where they should go for dinner. It was finally agreed that they would meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the waiters were handsome and the waitresses were pretty. Ten years later, they were all 50 years old. They again discussed where they should meet for dinner. It was agreed they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because the food there was very, very good. Ten years flew by and at the age of 60, the group discussed where they should meet for dinner. The time, this time they agreed they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because they could eat there in peace and quiet and there was a beautiful view of the ocean. Time moved on at age 70. The lunch bunch discussed where they should meet for dinner. It was agreed they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because it was wheelchair accessible. And they had nice take-home boxes. Some of you are laughing here, okay? <laughs> time moved on at the age of 90 years old after much discussion. It was agreed they should meet at the Ocean View restaurant because they had never been there before. (laughs) Here's the moral of this story. We're all going to go crazy one day and lose our minds. Totally kidding, all right? We love predictable lives. We like to live comfortable lives. We do. I'm no different. But God is calling you and me to a life that is outside the norm. He's calling you and I to experience Him like we never have before. But I just want to be, it's not going to be easy. It's not. There's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials. 
But one thing that I can promise you, because I can tell you this because I believe it, because God's Word says it, and everything that we say and we do should be based on what God's Word says, is that God says, His Word says, you stay connected, I promise that I will work in and through your life. I promise you that I have staked my life on you. And I want you to succeed in this little thing we call life as we walk it out, as we, as we run it out. As you make your life statement to build God's team, I will guarantee you that I will be with you every step of the way. Yeah, there's going to be difficulties, but you know what? Just as Paul, just as so many others, you will be able to have joy in the midst of difficulties, and that is not the norm. So when you're in that difficult situation and you're praising God, when a tornado takes out your house, that's where we are right now, you can praise God because you know what? It's just stuff and God is God and God is awesome. And He is working in and through our lives. He's working in our midst and that love is flowing, ever flowing in our lives as we stay connected to the vine. First Corinthians chapter 9. This is what Paul, we talked about Paul last week, Saul turned into Paul. This is what he speaks about his life. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew. To win the Jews, to those under the law I became like one under the law. Although I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like not one Having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. You see, Paul's not saying he was doing things outside of the Word of God. He was saying he started making choices to get into the lives of those people. He wanted to find a way to intersect the gospel message for those who have chosen or who have no desire to walk into a church and to hear the good news. That is why we do movies in the park. That is why we do blog parties. That is why we do these things because we have a story. We know Jesus and we know He is the only one that transforms life. So we do these things so that possibly God might open a door that we can share the good news and someone goes from death to life. Just as many of these kids did at Falls Creek this past week. I mean, that just pumps me up. I'm going to ask Jared to come back up. There's a story in John chapter 1. For time's sake, I just want to paraphrase it for you. It's a story when Jesus was starting to call His first disciples, choosing them. I just love that. Man, I chose you, and you are mine. You are now a child of mine, and I will protect you. I will go to the ends of the earth for you because I want my Father's name to be magnified. story goes on. Jesus calls John. John gave his life to Christ and started following the Lord. John reached Andrew. And Andrew gave his life to Christ and started to follow. Andrew 
reached Peter, and Peter followed. Jesus called Philip, and Philip followed. Philip reached Nathaniel, and then so on, and then so on, and then so on. And because Jesus says, man, I have chosen you. The world was transformed because of the obedience of those who surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. They stayed connected. They stayed devoted. They stayed Acts 2.42, Christ followers. And let me tell you something. This world is transformed and changed today because of these few men. There's a lot more than 11 people here this morning. The word says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Why do you do what you do? Why does this church do what we do? My prayer for you, my prayer for me, that the answer would be to build the kingdom of God.